It's time for All Hands on Tech. Climb on board as we explore all the amazing things happening in Nova Scotia's tech sector. Each episode, we'll chat with local experts to uncover the secrets of what makes Nova Scotia the best place for collaboration, innovation, and creativity. All Hands on Tech is proudly produced by Digital Nova Scotia, the industry association for Nova Scotia's growing tech sector. Welcome back to All Hands on Tech. I'm Ashley. And I'm Claire. Strong, relevant branding is imperative to a company's success, but how to achieve that is no easy feat. So today we're talking to Proposify, a leading proposal software company that's currently undergoing a brand refresh themselves. Jennifer Faulkner joins us today. She's the Director of Brand and Communications for Proposify. And we've also got Brian Jeffcock with us, the designer and creative director behind the refresh, to talk branding do's and don'ts for local tech companies and startups. Thank you both for being here. We're happy to be here. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into the topic of branding and all these wonderful questions that we have, um, we'd love to get a little more information about the both of you and kind of a backstory of Proposify and, and the work that you do today. Sure. So uh, I have worked in branding for probably close to 15 years. I came from marketing agency background. Um, I'm also a copywriter, so that often went hand in hand. And I've worked with a lot of companies to help them either establish their brand or refine it as it goes, whether uh, it's their their voice or their strategy and, and that sort of thing. I've been with Proposal for eight years. Uh, I was employee number seven. I like to say my employee number was <laughs> 007. So it's oh, like, <laughs> cool. Right? right? Um, and so we've grown a lot uh, and was really involved in the early stages of the company of developing our brand uh, back then. So that's a little bit of my background. I just want to say I have a degree in Spanish. So you know, when people ask, like, how did you, what was your path to uh, branding or marketing and stuff? So that's, that was my path. I have so, a degree in Spanish. Kids get a degree in Spanish. Yeah. And, and you, you, too. Ha- you too can have the glamorous life of working at a startup. <laughs> I love it. Brian, what about you? No Spanish degree. Um, I went to NASCAD for design. And then my first job, I actually sat about, like, right here, about, I know they can't see me, but, but like, <laughs> three inches away from Jen at my first job at Breakhouse for a year and a half. Then I left that to co-found a company that grew into uh, Affinio. Then from there, I left Affinio to co-found a company called Side Story. Then from there, uh, just kind of went on this consulting freelance thing I've been doing for the last six years, just helping mainly startups and scaling tech companies with whether it's brand, uh, product design, and uh, web design and web development a little bit as well. Very cool. Well, we're excited to hear more about kind of your partnership with Proposify. Before we get too far, I think just for listeners who maybe haven't heard of Proposify before, can you just kind of give us the rundown on what you guys do? Yep, for sure. So we're, I mean, the official title would be Online Proposal Software. So we're a really valuable tool for companies who have to produce a proposal to win business. So generally that's B2B companies. And when we first started, our co-founders, Kyle Racky and Kevin Springer, who I work Worked within the agency world before Proposify started, um, proposals, generating proposals, especially in marketing agencies, that's how you won business. And it was a nightmare. Like it was just time.
time consuming and you've got PDFs and you don't know what's going on. And the design of them was just really cumbersome. They spent a lot of time. And so you ended up spending more time on the proposal than on actually the mm. business, right? Mm. So um, they came up with the idea that there's got to be a better way to automate this and, and make it a smoother, streamlined experience. So when we first started, we were that was, that's who our target audience was, was marketing agencies. But over the last eight years, we realized like sales uh, teams of any size of any company could really value from our products. So not only do we make it easier for people to create really professional looking proposals, but also, you know, how you send it to your prospect so it's not caught in email and also track it so you can see what's happening with it. Have they looked at it? What sections are they looking at it? Make it easier to sign off with e-signatures and also get payment. So it really streamlines the whole process. And generally, people spend a lot of time, sales teams, on the top end of the funnel of getting leads and landing them and that sort of thing. And then it sort of, the whole experience falls off when it's time to send a proposal. And you get these, I mean, I'm sure we've all seen it, these crappy Word docs or, you know, like just PDFs that jam up emails and they don't always reflect the professional experience that you're going to have with the company. And so we try to help uh, companies streamline that process. I love that. And you said you were employee 007. So I was. How big is the team now? Uh, I think we're 57 right now. So we've kind of gone up and down just depending on what our needs are. But we're like a really tight 57 right now of what we need. And we've got some exciting uh, new product developments that we're we're working on. So it's a it's always an exciting time of startup, as I'm sure you all know. It's like the roller coaster (laughs) of uh, fun. Totally. (laughs) At what point I always think about this at what point are you no longer a startup yeah golden rule or is it ambiguous like what is it it's funny because I say startup and then I'm like well we've been around for eight years are we really a startup anymore I I don't know when we we all grow up but in some (laughs) ways we what we have said over the years is that we always want to have kind of a startup mentality because we're a little bit you know you always want to be scrappy you always want to try and be really resourceful you want to be nimble you want to work quickly you want to be able to adapt you don't want to become just like that boring where everything is just the same all the time so we want to and and that's what we've tried to do is just like you know this isn't anyone who works at proposed by this isn't a job uh, where it's just going to be the same thing. It's Wednesdays, and on Wednesdays we do this. And right. that's something I've loved because I felt that my job has been different every six months that I've been there. Wow. And like I said, I've been there for eight years. Yeah. So it's kept it really fresh, but it keeps you on your toes, right? So Totally, yeah. That's exciting. Okay, well, thank you for that. We're going to get into some rapid-fire questions Uh-oh. to get to know you two a little bit better. Um, so this is for both of you. I tried to keep the first couple branding, so we'll see, right. what you, we'll see what you say. So what's more important, let's say, for like a logo, uh, the color palette you choose or the typography? I'll, like, I'll throw that over to Mr. Brian <laughs> Jeffcock. I don't even know if I can pick because, like, I would say typography because we can always have no colors. I don't mm. know if that's like cheating the question. No. No, we love to hear that. That's outsmarting the question. The typography sets the whole tone and then we'll build from there. I always start black and white anyways, so. Okay. Uh, I agree because no matter what color you make comic sans, it always looks like well, shit, I was gonna right? Say, like, <laughs> am I allowed to 
Are we yeah, good? And you, make, and you can make a brown look really nice with the right exactly. typography yeah. and accent yeah. palette. Like, you, I'd rather be boxed into a color corner than a typography corner, exactly. but I won't allow either. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'll just quit. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we hired Brian. <laughs> Listens to no one. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. So, this one, I feel like this will be a controversial question again, which is exactly <laughs> the point of rapid fire. Yeah. Um, should your brand identity aim to have local appeal or global reach? Depends on what your customer, uh, or depends on who your customer base is, where they're located, and also like your roadmap. Yeah, I agree. Like our logo is not a lobster, because. But shout out to Barrington Lobster Capital of the World. That's where my girlfriend's from. <laughs> shout out to my girlfriend too. Yeah, Shotgun Vintage, incredible brand, local, ships internationally. Just a small plug in there for Brian's girlfriend. We got to pay extra for that one. I don't, uh, know, I don't know how the fee structure is. Anyways. I totally agree with Brian. Like you've got to just where you've got to think about who your customers are and also who you who you want your customers to be because a lot of branding is aspirational, right? It's not just about who you are in this moment, but who you want to be and how you want to be perceived. So you've got to think about that. Do you find a lot of rebrands, maybe this is a question more for Brian, like a lot of rebrands that you work on is because they've changed their positioning or they're, you know, they had this vision of what they would be and then 10, five years down the road, it's different. So they have to kind of brand accordingly or? Totally. I think it's a combination of that and maybe the existing brand maybe it was underwhelming the whole time but it was like done is better than perfect let's keep moving then mm. they get to a milestone where it's worth investing more into but especially in tech i find you're gonna get like a bit of like a zoom in pivot or like a slight shift in who your customer base is just naturally there's no way like if you got the same customer base exactly for the last five years either a you've completely nailed it in which uh, incredible like keep scaling the hell out of that or b you're probably just stagnating and missing the opportunity to learn more from your customer and adjust and tweak and evolve. And that's more of like a product positioning thing, but the brand, I think, gets informed by that. Yeah, ditto, 100%. Because that's where we were uh, when we got involved with Brian is, like I said, when we first started, we were um, marketing market towards marketing agencies. And so over the last number of years, we've realized like, okay, our audience has changed. And so how do we, um, now it's a little different for us because we did have an established brand and we were doing a rebrand rather than starting at the beginning. Um, so we didn't want to throw out the good things, but we really did need to look at, okay, well, what are the things we can bring with us? But our audience has changed. Our positioning has changed a bit. So how do we take some of that, but like just tweak it enough that it doesn't turn off existing customers who maybe followed us on this whole journey, but is going to be attractive to new customers and new target audiences. Okay. We do have a couple more rapid fire questions. We're going to bring it back to some Nova Scotia based ones. All right. Uh, would you prefer to do a wine tour in the Valley or a brewery tour in the city? I'm going to say, cause I'm a Valley girl. <laughs> wine tour in the Valley. Woohoo. 
Oh, I was just going to say the wine tour because I have a client who has... <laughs> who's down there? Shout out to the Evangeline. Anyways, uh, wine tour. Oh, of yeah. Course, you in did the valley. The, beautiful. The Evangeline, nice. Yeah, and Bricks nice. and Birches just developed a beautiful new owner suite for them. So check that out. Nice. <laughs> That's a classic. The restaurant there, uh, what is it called now? Longfellows. But it was yeah. Sterling's Forever. Yeah, no, nice. it's, it's, it's an amazing place and it's getting better and better Delish. all the time. Nice. Wow. That was an easy one. Mm -hmm. Unanimous. What about you guys? What would you choose? I would say the Valley. Uh, yeah, I would say the Valley too, I think. Yeah. I love yeah. a brewery, but um, it's such a good excuse to go to the Valley. Such a lovely mm -hmm. area. Be outside. Right. Oh, there's a feeling about it. You yeah. Know? There's no wrong answer there no. for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Last rapid fire question. What is your favorite thing about living and working in Nova Scotia? Well, like I don't have to leave my house with the exception of this hardly ever um which i was more than happy to do i don't but like you know i've got a big yard for our dog and just i don't know i love the vibe and i love the lifestyle that i can have here um yeah the connection to nature and just the different geography of the region and, and i don't know and i'm from here so it's kind of cool to be able to build my career here versus having to move to like new york or san francisco or other places that i've had to go I always want to kind of just come back here. I agree. I lived away for about 10 years after university, like a lot of people did, moved away. And I'm glad I did, had lots of adventures. But then it was actually one day in yoga, and I just had this vision, you know, at the end where you lie on the mat and mm -hmm. you're like chilling out. And I had this vision of this section of the road in Grand Pre, and I was like, I got to move home. Like, and I was living in the Yukon at that time, and I was like, it's time to go. So I packed my car up with my dog and drove back home. Whoa. And, uh, right from yoga? You just you <laughs> left everything in the Yukon? I, I Showered like, and then left. No. <laughs> got yoga mat. That's all she has. My Lulus, and I was gone. <laughs> yeah, my, do my dog, who was named Bredore at the time as well so um but uh similarly like I just love living here and I love the change in Nova Scotia over the last 20 years like jobs in tech that just did not exist and even in the last like you know 10 years it's amazing mm -hmm. um all the new opportunities because that's why people like especially from my generation I graduated high school in 1988 like that's what you had to do. You had to go away pretty much. And it's just so awesome that now you can go away, but you can come back and lots of opportunities and you can get to the ocean and like mm -hmm. 20 minutes, no matter where you live. And it's just, um, I just love the way of life here. You know, we got to do something about housing and cost of living, but yeah. that'll come. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jennifer, this question is for you. So we mentioned off the top that Proposify is launching a brand new look. Um, so why now and how did you approach the refresh or how did the company approach the refresh? Sure. Uh, so one thing, as I mentioned, we had <clears throat> been changing who we're um, marketing towards. And before when we started, uh, when we were going after marketing agencies, because the co-founders, Kevin Springer, Kyle Racky, and I, we were all, uh, I, wait, I just want to be clear, I'm not a co-founder. The way that <laughs> sentence was structured, I don't want to take credit for Kevin Springer and Kyle Racky. Um, but uh, it was easy for us because we all came from marketing agency background. So it was really 
easy for us to figure out. How do we need to speak to this audience? Who are they? What do they value? What What's going to turn them off? What's going to turn them on? Um, but as we developed our target audience and our customer base and went into other industries, for example, right now, we have a lot of uh, B2B sort of blue-collar um, companies, so construction, commercial uh, landscaping, construction, commercial cleaning, uh, professional services like accountants and lawyers and those those sorts of things. Um, so that's that's a a different uh, what they value and what they're looking for is slightly different how we want to speak to them. So we realized we needed to just make a bit of a tweak and some things that we want to do going into the future, obviously, in some top secret product developments that oh. I can't talk about yet. Um, so uh, we were really like, it's time. We've been thinking about it for a little bit. And then it was like, OK, no, we we need to um we need to look at this a little bit differently. So I think you asked how how do we approach it. So one of the things we did is just start talking to our customers. So I literally called up. I'm holding the phone like an old phone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because I heard that it's not a banana anymore. It's a Pop-Tart. Oh, right? like yeah. The phone, it's like this that you... No, that's going to be hard for me to change. That's whole, I feel like yeah. people think you're like a DJ or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. If you hold yeah. it like this, like, yeah. So um, I just got on the phone with some of our, um, like, ICB, ICB customers and um, asked them things about our brand. I looked at our customer reviews. I talked to our customer success team to find out what they were hearing from people and looked at our competitive landscape as well. Not just other proposal companies, but what are other sales tools that these customers are using? What do they look like? What Not that you're going to mimic them, but like just what's the context of mm -hmm. what people are, are seeing right now? And uh, and then got old Brian Jeffcock over here uh, involved because, as Brian mentioned at the top of the hour, uh, we worked together a long time ago at uh, Breakhouse, a design firm. And I was always super impressed with uh, Brian's work, and I knew how much he valued brand and uh, all the work he's done since then. So I was like... I called them up on the banana phone <laughs> or the Pop-Tart phone and was like, hey, let's let's join forces. Yeah, Pop-Tart texted our exactly. way through. No, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Really, it was really great to sort of jump in and be a part of that uh, initial audit experience. Because for me, coming in cold, hmm. it's kind of nice to get that fresh perspective and to do it while you all are kind of collecting that feedback. It... Uh, just gave a lot of different perspective to help build from there. I think that was one other important thing is that Brian was coming in cold because I knew from my time at working um, with other companies that's sometimes a value. If you have somebody with fresh eyes who's coming in, they're not clouded. And I definitely had some clouded vision being there for eight years right you almost can't see the forest for the trees so I thought the combination of me understanding the background of our company and what we we're trying to do with Brian's fresh perspective although he was aware of our company but um, bringing his fresh eyes in would be um, and the combination where Brian uh, has a visual um, perspective on things and I have sort of the the strategy the the feeling I always say I know it sounds super touchy-feely when you say that the essence part of it of the brand but that combination that it would be a good we'd be a good team <laughs> you're still working together so I would I yeah. assume it's going well so far so good 
We just got to keep paying our bills. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, could you tell us a little bit more about your process? So, you know, you agree to work together, you come in, like, do you just get a bunch of data put on your desk? Do you go and speak to the staff? Like, what's kind of your first few steps? Yeah, I, I really just try to get a sense of, obviously, like, problem solution. Who are you solving this problem for? What, from their perspective, if possible, do they like about it? Because, you know, when you're a founder, you have your own perception of what's cool or what's unique. But maybe your all your best customers see it a different way. So just, I mean, that's not always the case. But it's just good to get alignment on. Like, what are we trying to do here and for who? And then I like to learn about why the current branding, if you have a current brand, is the way it is because you can't just judge it from the surface. I mean, obviously, I look at it and say, okay, based on this new kind of market and vibe and feel, and I, I operate on that as well. Like, what you're painting for me there, like, how do I, like, do, do you, like, what do you have now and does it even work in that anymore? Or did it, maybe it did at the time, but now your business has shifted. What can we do? And then from there, I just kind of start going at it and coming up with a wide variety of, like, I mean, like I said at the, right at the beginning, um, I think it was before we started, but it was, like, um, typography first. I just try to get a sense of, like, what typefaces, what vibe, what aesthetic matches the target customer, target market, positions yourself in that way, but also, like, you know, like, for example, if your customers are all construction, I'm not just going to, like, make a construction-looking logo, you know, like, right. all caps. Hammer. Forward. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, so there's, like, an opportunity of, like, who do you want to be and how do you want to be perceived in your market and, and what will, like, I don't want to alienate your, like, because mm. obviously as a designer, I want everything to be, like, crazy hyper-minimal, like, Swiss typography, all that <laughs> stuff. But, like, maybe your customer doesn't care about that. So it's not about me. It's about positioning you to your customer and making that kind of... Uh, um, package come together yeah uh, and and one of the first things we did uh is brian came in for a session with our executive team so we did kind of a, a discovery session where we just like go through all kinds of questions of getting everybody's input but also thinking about like okay what what really makes sense right now in terms of the company and what we want to say and what our value is because one of the things I think people miss a, a misconception about brand is they think it's just the logo right and it's not it's a whole the logo is an expression of the brand and really a brand the way that I like to define it is it's about the promise of an expectation right so we all know when you see certain brands you get a feeling inside, right? Good, bad, confused, frightened, bored, whatever it is, you get a feeling. And that's what your brand is. And that's what you want to try and um, communicate uh, in every interaction. And it may be one brand could have two different reactions. So you may, you know, one brand make might make you Claire, you know, you're like, bored and Ashley's <laughs> totally excited about it or whatever depending on what emotion you're looking for and we can have different emotions about different brands like how I feel about a brand when I'm buying a new purse is different than how I want to feel when I'm buying my groceries right like mm -hmm. one that you're evoking two different emotions so you want to think about those 
uh, things. And the visual identity and the typography is definitely part of that and expression of it, as well as the tone of voice you use and the imagery that you use and everything, how your sales team or your, your public-facing employees are interacting with your customers. All of that is an extension of your brand. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like people often have a misunderstanding or don't really see the full picture of what brand is, but it's really everything that the public sees and feels, you know, which is a huge thing and, exactly and a big responsibility especially if you're gonna change that um that's a big deal I know I think the responsibility piece too like part of it for me thinks oh that's such a stressful thing to launch a brand new brand or try to try to find the middle ground for like all of these different moving parts right because again you're not going you had mentioned there's a lot of different customers that use Proposify so how do you kind of speak to all of them is it possible to speak to all of them I don't know we'll see yeah. this it drops this week we'll see Brian if we ask yeah. our money my, my favorite Steve Jobs quote is you can please some of the people some of the time yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> no sure. but honestly and um yeah, it, I do think about it sometimes kind of like you're doing like surgery to a person's face because like the company's <laughs> their brand and you're like giving them a new face. So yeah, you don't want to mess that up. And you want people to be really happy and definitely leave them better off than when they came in. <laughs> you know, like some of those bad uh, reality Basically a shows. doctor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah let's Dr. really Brian. elevate what we yeah, do. Yeah, uh, can we better add lives. doctor to my name <laughs> yeah. on the intro yeah. there? Exactly. Um, couldn't be further uh, from the truth. <laughs> but it is true. We, we, know, we all know like the strong attachment people have to brands like you know you change the f in facebook and everyone's like oh my god i hate it or whatever right yeah. like or coca-cola or i can't all of those ones that so there have been the gap when they changed in a few years ago and then they changed it back because everybody was like that sucks i will right? i want to comment on that one quickly because that was a perfect gap, example yes yeah because they went with the gradient trend remember instagram mm. through the rainbow and I mean, obviously, there's a time and a place to respect the latest cool thing, but I don't ever try to be like, well, 2023 design trend, because right. it's almost 2024, so damn. like, <laughs> uh-oh, you know, now yeah. I'm already sliding, so I like try to understand, like, what are the, like, foundational elements of just great design, great typography, great branding that sort of stand the test of time, and my, all my favorite designers are from, like, the 60s, and, mm. like, Massimo Vignelli is number one, and, like, American Airlines had the same logo from like 1972 or something until like three years ago. Then they messed with it. Like the guy nailed it in like the early 70s. Why did they change that? <laughs> yeah. And I do want to make the point. You don't have to change just for the sake of change. Mm -hmm. Like American Airlines is a great example. Coca-Cola is another example. They may have tweaked a few things. I mean, they changing their recipe, the Coke Classic, that was a that was a mistake for New Coke, but that's not about the look and the and the brand and the, and people reacted so severely because you also have to think about how strongly do our customers feel connected to our brand? Like mm -hmm. what's worth tweaking with? And some uh, companies, it's it you don't need to you don't need to. Maybe you're gonna update a little bit, like a little look, or maybe brighten a color here or there, but you don't necessarily have to change. This isn't something you're doing every six months or or whatever. So, you know, for example, we have our logo, Proposify logo has a coffee cup. And where that came from originally with a P on it was uh, when our one of our co-founders, Kyle Racky, has a design background. The product was designed with freelancers in mind and thinking about freelancers working out of 
cafes with their coffee cup. And also, um, it's a little bit of a nod to the movie Glengarry Glenn Ross, where Alec Baldwin has the famous line, coffee is for closers, when he's yelling at the salespeople for not <laughs> nailing deals and coffee is for closers. So we kind of co-opted that line into Proposed By as well, because it would be like a celebratory thing. We all know you buy your oat foam frappa pumpkin spice uh when you land a deal that's that, a new is that brian's order <laughs> yeah, exactly. you looked at him when he said that i don't know why maybe although it's funny i did i didn't drink coffee when i first started at break House, so it's they true. taught me they're like just drink black only so shout out to like glenn and vince and peter for teaching <laughs> me how to drink coffee just perfect wow, black don't like get a coming it. of age story just don't get into that yeah well i used to drink monster before and stuff like that so <laughs> it was like get off all of this just yeah. anyways that's bad for the brand yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, exactly. yeah, they helped polish me up a little. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, I mean, people loved that. And we would go to, you know, trade shows with T-shirts that said coffees for closers with our coffee cup logo. And everybody loved it. It was a great uh, way in. But, you know, that does that resonate with our, our, our newer audience that we're going after? Not as much, right? Mm -hmm. Not as much. So, well, I love that backstory, and I think that topic kind of segues nice into our next question, which is, um, especially when we're talking about tech startups, you know, how important is it, and we're talking about the pressure of getting it right, like how important is it to really set the tone and get that branding solidified early on, like straight from the get-go? Because obviously, you know, refreshes are, people are doing them, companies are doing them, so how important is that? I think I, I think it's really important because you've got to establish yourself somehow in the market. And using Proposify for, as an example, when we started, I mean, there are lots of competitors in the proposal software uh, market now. And there were a few when we started, but they were big. So establishing our brand was a way to differentiate us in the market and to get people to notice us. So we had kind of, um, and Ashley, I think you mentioned this in the email when we were going back and forth about our, we kind of have a little bit of a mm. fun brand. Um, we like to have a little, like be a little bit quirky and have a personality, whereas a lot of sales software, it you might as well be a bank. It's just like boring. And most people, if you say like, oh, I'm in proposal software, I'm sure they're thinking this is the most boring <laughs> job ever. Like, why don't you just, create forms or something right <laughs> like how boring but nothing's boring unless you make it boring and so by having a little bit of a personality um like the 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 background on our brand is actually based on Q from um, James Bond and Q if people who don't watch because every once in a while I run into like one person who's never seen a James Bond movie have you guys yes Okay. Yeah, yeah. Am I a good? Everybody's seen it. Yeah. Ashley was. I don't know about like, our listeners, sure. but go yeah. for it. Uh, so Q is the guy that's in the back room creating all the super cool uh, technology that James Bond uses. The exploding pen, the super cool car, the, I don't know, the flower that squirts poisonous gas, like whatever the things are that he pulls out to help him achieve his his mission. And that was the concept that we had, because that's basically what the Proposify team was. And at that time, we were eight people. But that's what it felt like. Like, we were just this, like, tight little group creating this cool tool. And we thought our our customers were kind of like James Bond. They were just, like, out there doing whatever it took to achieve their mission, to make a deal, close a sale, 
get more business, launch a business, whatever it was, and that that's who we were. So we really tried to have that. And and if you watch those movies, Q's a little weird <laughs> in his own genius. So we kind of tried to use that in what we were doing. And it really helped differentiate us in the market early when no one knew who we were. And like our original ads, I think uh, uh, Kyle came up with this as proposals suck we make it suck less right so it's just simple but that stood out in all the boring like other ads that that people have so that little branding now maybe that I'm not saying everybody has to be quirky because you really got to know what's going to resonate with your audience but that can help you from the get-go just establish yourself and a brand isn't like it's an organic thing it's always evolving and changing so you can tweak it here and there that was a long answer brian you please no that was great um i do a lot of work with really early stage yeah pre-product market fit companies and at that point i tell them honestly don't worry about it too much because do you even you haven't even validated your solution yet so if you give me this brief that's totally based on assumptions and i somehow nail it then you actually get product market fit whatever i did if it was good hopefully won't matter because your business has changed right it's kind of like designing a corvette and then halfway through realizing no it's an off-road race or something it's like well that's a different task right so i help people not to sweat it i try to really i do some stuff through propel lab to market volta Mm. other things just trying to help early stage founders not spend any money on design like here's how like throw a squarespace together here's how to like go audit your 10 customers because they may not even be or sorry um, competitors they might even be your competitor because you don't even know what you are yet but just see what they look like and like one of my favorite architects um Mies van der Rohe, he has this quote that says it's better to be good than original so <laughs> i don't think people who like don't go out there and be like obviously you had like the founding proposify team had such a depth in this area that they could execute it but if you're not a design yeah. background team you may not be able to go on the like James Bond metaphor and execute on that. But conversely, like even if you go down that road, focus on product market fit. I'm such I, a, I like, would agree. I I'm agree. such a sale, yeah. you know, I'm such a yeah. like, let's get to revenue. Let's get to traction. Like I've just had so many VC customers slash mentors beat that into me so much that I have probably like more VC mindset early stage than I do like design mindset. My job is just make you not look weird so you look trustworthy. <laughs> so if someone puts your e- they can put their email in, then you can try to sell them <laughs> early on. That's my goal in the beginning. But then once you're at revenue, once you're at traction, then I think it becomes much more important. Yeah, I agree. I, I should have prefaced that by saying you should, you know, have your MVPs sorted out and, uh, you know, what what you what your core product is know who your target audience is so have some of those core things sorted out before you dive into and and you're right i mean we were in a different situation at proposify we had a co-founder who was a designer had done branding projects i was part of the team as well had worked in branding in the background so it did make it a little bit easier because we were able to do it in-house in the early stages totally yeah but if you're like a not like a a technical founder or just a non-design founder trying to get your product into market, I really wouldn't worry about that. Just make sure that like your landing page or website loads properly and looks clean and isn't like busted up. The metaphor I always use is like you wouldn't go into a sales meeting with like ketchup on your shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to have like the most amazing drip, like full Gucci. You just need to like have not whack 
you know, just, no ketchup. Yeah, not and black. No comic clean. sans. And no, yeah, no like nothing wrong with a black T-shirt or just a white shirt with a tie. Like nothing wrong with that. So like whatever the web equivalent is that in your market, just rob and duplicate in the beginning, a little R and D to get you off the ground. And then as soon as you've got that traction, you should be doing what you talked about: learning from your customers, understanding who they are. Then you can kind of do these kind of inside cultural references that would resonate with them and build on that. But until you've got that, it's just kind of like a creative exercise that's fun for me to do, but probably not going to move the needle if you haven't yeah. solved the business problem. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really good advice because mm-hmm. you're really telling people to figure out the meat of things first. You know, it's not just, you know. Totally. Well, it would be the- a shame to like invest all this time and money into like this brand that might not even take off one day like I don't mean to say that but you know what I mean like, yeah. no no it's yeah. totally true you may have an idea that yeah. isn't even going to work for your audience like you gotta you've got to prove that yeah. you've got a viable product you've got an audience who's going to want it you've figured out like okay how are we going to make them want it because that's the other thing I mean and, and that's something else I mean that we're going down a different road a little bit but sometimes <laughs> people don't even know that they have the problem that you have the solution mm-hmm. for, right? So you've even got to like make them realize that that they need your product. That's the first step, and then to choose your product, right? So there's a lot of steps before you get going. Totally, I think that kind of leads nicely into this next question about different brands and the importance of brand, and really just the amount of competition and brands out there. So it's really noisy online. Like, how does Proposify stand out amongst all of that? Uh it's hard. Um, it, well, and it's really, it's just gotten crazy. Like I said, from when we first started, the number of competitors to now, like it's just, and and the other challenging thing is that um, it's apples to oranges and customers don't always realize that. They think it's apples to apples. So brand is really one of the ways that you can do that. Because the other thing is, there's different ways that you can compete. So there's price. But if you're going to if you're going to compete on price, one that's generally generally a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. You've got to be a Walmart if you're going to if you're going to be the lowest. Otherwise you're just going to get in a price war and somebody can always undercut you. So you've got to do high volume. So that's what, you know, with Walmart, you can't you've just got to have a way to be the lowest and you've just always got to have a um, the ability to cut your your price. Same thing for features. Like really, depe- depending on the the product, maybe there's not a huge difference between features. You can get in a feature war. Oh, they've got glow sticks. Okay, great. We'll add glow sticks to our software too. Oh, they've got you know sparkle icons or whatever. You can just get into like a, a spiral with that. So you've got to find other ways. How else can we compete? So that brand, so what is the experience they're going to have with interacting? Obviously, you need a solid product. You need a product that's going to work. You need a product that's consistent um, and is actually solving a problem that your target audience has. But what else can you offer around that? So for example, with Proposify, it's our brand. What's that tone of voice? In the early days, marketing agencies felt we got them because we did we really spoke to them and their uh their problems their language their culture all of that so that really made us stand out um and you know i will also say i mean people say this but we have an outstanding customer support team they are just like people write love letters to them and that's another way we can differentiate ourselves in the market now nobody's picking a product for great 
customer service. But once you have those customers to maintain them and keep mm -hmm. them and have them talk about you to the, to other businesses in a positive way, that really helps. So there are lots of ways you can differentiate yourself, but brand is one of the top ones. And customer support comes under brand, right? Because, you know, if your brand is being a jerk all the time, <laughs> like, okay, have, you know, shitty yeah. customer support. You know, or or what, or have no customer support. Maybe that's your thing. Like, what's a? Isn't there a restaurant in like Toronto or somewhere where it's like rude? Like that's their thing. You're oh. they're rude or somewhere where like you pay and they're rude to you, and I mean, that's the premise. You go in. That would kind of work. See, that's a niche, though. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Not yours, though. No. <laughs> no. We're we haven't we haven't got into the the jerky brand, but <laughs> but Brian, I don't know what you might want to add to that about differentiation. Yeah, I mean, I definitely come at it from the voice of the customer. Yeah. And I think as a company grows, their product team, and I'm a product person, so maybe I'm biased here, but they come at it. And I think as the company grows, they can sometimes become disconnected from product roadmap, and then the team bloats, and then you wake up one day, and you're not really, you haven't evolved with the market, so... I think just having a really tight relationship with your customer mm -hmm. and product-driven growth is so key. Obviously, product person, so super biased. Every, you know, every angle. But I mean, that that comes into retention. Retention is super important through customer success. And I think every single touch point with your company is a branded experience. Agreed. So, if you go on some random page on the website, like privacy policy, well, it should probably look decent. Like, I don't know, like just every little nook and crevice or like if you use like the bot, does the bot suck? Because that was my first interaction with your company. So that was my first branded experience. You gave me some crappy bot that didn't work. So now I don't feel valued, right? So mm -hmm. you're not talking these... about Proposify. No, no, sorry. I'm talking about all the nameless competitors that <laughs> okay. I audited. Um, yeah, so, and then from there, um, it's just, kind of on a market level, but I, I'm, I'm always a fan of just execution at all levels. I mean, it's so simple. It's not fun to say, like just some cliche, but it's just keep everything tight, keep everything simple. Like I would almost have less but better versus yeah. just stuff going everywhere. A million pages, no focus, lots of whatever, just if we can keep it tight. So that way every single interaction the customer has with your company it's tight, it's professional, it may not be great because there's things that happen, things go wrong, but even if when they go wrong, how do you handle that well? Mm -hmm. um, and especially in a software world, so much of this is self-service. So that's why I'm product driven. Like yeah. you lose so many people, you don't get to ask them why they left. Right. So, you know. That's a good point. I, I really try to audit that stuff heavily, um, whether I'm operating in like a product design capacity for someone or just even if I'm not, I'm just, constantly trying to find like the weakest links and tighten them up and then it's usually an opportunity to kind of refactor them in line with whatever your sort of roadmap or evolving customer segment is i think that is such a crucial point not just for branding but product development everything is keeping close to your customer mm -hmm. and keeping them in mind it's not about you it's not about my feelings because you know there are times i've worked with clients like but before in the agency world and, the, and you know you bring an idea and somebody would around the table from the client company would say like well this, it's not really speaking to me it's like it's not supposed to be unless that person actually happened to be, to be the target audience but like it is not about you now your employees are part of your brand you know they're another stakeholder so it, it's 
important that they feel connected. And there is an aspect of employer branding that that is that is part of your bigger brand, but uh, it is all about the customer, as, as Brian says. And just like one of the things at Proposify, we try and get everybody listening to customer calls, either listening or get on the phone with them. Like from every aspect of the company and every all hands, we listen to a customer story, and we have a customer channel in Slack where we share stories, good and bad, about what customer a, an interaction somebody had with a customer because you forget to listen to the customer or, or the problem that they're having and and evolving because the problems change you're going to lose no matter no matter how cool your brand is or mm-hmm. or how cool your product is if it if it's not serving the customer anymore you're like you're sunk those are really great insights we really appreciate that we want to bring it full circle because obviously as we mentioned multiple times proposify is going through a refresh so you know obviously there can take a lot of time um, there's a lot of risks maybe that come with that um, and pressure. So how do we know when is the right time to do something like that, to undertake a refresh or a rebrand? Uh, I usually just try to come at it from, like, who's your customer now? Has it evolved? Has your product grown? Is this even the biggest problem? Because I think it's kind of like the polishing the, what is it, like the rail on the Titanic kind of thing, where it's like, yeah, you've got a huge hole in the side of your ship. Nobody is, you know, your retention's gone. You don't have product market fit the way you thought. So don't, so let's make a new logo. Well, sure, I'll do that for you. (laughs) But I don't think that's going to solve the big hole inside your business, right? So as your business grows and evolves, I think it's, I mean, I'm sure you would have more insights, Jen, but just periodically check in on, is this resonating have we kind of outgrown our old brand mm-hmm. or even just, I don't even think it's more of like a brand evolution, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say at least for what we're doing with Proposify, I would say it's, it's more an evolution. I like a bit of a glow up because like we that. have an established brand that we have a lot of good um, equity in. We don't want to throw all of that out. But what? so what can we just change a little bit? And again, as Brian said, like what, have your has your audience changed what's important to them changed one of the things that you can run into and this is I find in marketing working in marketing in general is that in a company you can get you can get tired of what you've been doing but it doesn't mean the market is tired of it because Mm -hmm. not every just because we've said you know I mean, to pull out our old tagline of, you know, proposals suck, we make them suck less. Like, oh, we've said that a million, you know, a hundred thousand times. It's like the whole world does not know about Proposify yet, right? right? Like just because we're tired of saying it does not mean we've reached absolutely everybody. And so it can be, I know sometimes I, you know, you get tired, you want to do something cool and new, but it doesn't mean that what you're doing isn't working anymore, right? So you do need to, maybe it isn't, but so you do need to look at it. It's not just that the sales team is tired of this one pitch. Mm -hmm. Is the pitch working? Mm -hmm. Okay, we're not tired of it then, right? Mm -hmm. Or or whatever marketing program that we're doing or whatever it is. Um, So you always have to be... You have to be open to evaluating. And actually, this is kind of our second refresh because when Kyle and Kevin started the company at first, it had a little, it had the coffee cup, the logo was a little different, and it was very just freelancers. So Mm. like if you went to our website then, when we first started, there was like a woman sitting at a cafe table with a a laptop and a coffee like very obviously right a freelancer right and so then 
as and that kind of got things started. Kyle's a designer um, originally, so he started that. Then when I came on, we started talking about like, okay, where do we take it? So we evolved it a little bit more, and then that's been you know in place for about eight years. So it was time to to uh, do it again because again we we saw that our audience is changing a little bit. Our message needs to be a little bit different. Um, so how do we how do we tweak it a little bit? Because you know, we do throw around the word rebrand, but generally that's if you've, if you're doing rebrand, you gotta. Right. Yeah. Everything just, changes. Everything's yeah. gotta go. And that would be like, you're doing a whole new product. You have a, like, you've gone from like maybe marketing to, to toddlers, to, <laughs> to senior citizens or something. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> Isn't it illegal to market to anyone like under 13? Yes, it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I definitely am not doing that. I'm getting in trouble. That's yeah. a good analogy of like, who's using the product versus who's buying the product. Right. Okay. So you sell to the parent <laughs> under the guise of selling the promise. So that's, and that's like actually like a b2b strategy where you would have like three or four decision makers and sometimes the user is not even in that process so, that is definitely a so that's like a total aside um to try to cover for you on that but that's true like you know it's it's who's the buyer who's that and and going into this project specifically i really didn't want to change anything that i didn't feel needed to be changed mm -hmm. you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i think a designer can come in with their their ego and be like hey this i want to do my own thing this isn't about me i've made enough logos now i don't need to make any more necessarily unless people want me to but it has to be for them not for me right and for the customer so yeah we just did some minor shifts in a few areas and some bigger ones in others but i, I tried to do everything with the intention of with knowing who your customer today is or tomorrow right i think your point about the buyer being different than the than the user sometimes that's definitely for us sometimes the person who's making the buying decision and the people involved in the buying decision aren't necessarily who's the everyday user mm -hmm. but we sometimes need to talk to all of them so that's something else is like how do we talk to all three of these people mm -hmm. who all have different um problems in their mm -hmm. head that they need to solve or things that they're concerned about right so it's not easy mm -hmm. no nope. not easy but it does sound like the decisions you're making are based on data, which I think is just good advice, you know, for any type of business decision Absolutely, you're making. Yeah. So I think that's uh, that's a really good takeaway here. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're we've made it to the end of our podcast. So I just want to Phew. say thank you both so much for being here. There's lots of Phew. good information <laughs> for a lot of people who are looking, you know, to either if they're just starting out tech startups or maybe looking to do a refresh. So thank you so much. Thanks for having us. It was yeah. awesome. This was great. Yeah, this was great. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to All Hands on Tech. Interested in learning more? Visit us on our website at www.digitalnovascotia.com. We'll see you next time. This has been a Podstarter production. production.